Good morning. This is Pastor Randy Anderson of This Is For You Ministry. Today is Sunday, November the 7th, 2021. And I hope that you were blessed by the teaching of developing a personal prayer life. Today, the Lord has a special message for each and every one of us. And I don't want to give it away. So I'm just going to go on and read our foundational scripture, which would be found in 2 Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 1 through 5, I would say, take time and get your Bible. If not, have a pen and paper ready to write down these thoughts that the Lord has provided. 2 Corinthians 13, 1 through 5 says, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which hereto, here therefore, have sinned, and to all others that, if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to your word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own self, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Amen. Except you be reprobate. We find the apostle Paul responding to the Corinthian church, but directly to those who have sinned. They were seeking from the Apostle Paul proof of Christ speaking through him. From their perspective, Paul was old and was and his outward appearance was life had worked him over real badly looking and he was weak. But on the other hand, they seen that Christ was in them as a powerful weapon. But Paul pointed out that Christ was crucified through weakness. Yet he lives by the power of God. He transferred that thought over to the spirituality on how it works for the saints, saying, For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Amen. So he commanded them to examine themselves to see if they are really in the faith or not. Know ye yourselves how that Christ is in you. Or perhaps you may not be approved of God because you have failed the test. Amen. The title of this message this morning is, What was the outcome of your last examination? What was the outcome of your last examination? Now let us pray. Fathers, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord God, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for each and every day that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, Father, for the uh, you allowing us to breathe the air, dear Lord God, that we have. We, we thank you, dear Lord God, Father, that to those of us that have been born again, been saved and washed by the blood of Christ, dear Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, even for that. 
because Lord, because because of that, Lord, we have access, dear Lord God, into the area or to your throne room, dear Father, that we can come in boldly, dear God, and be able to share with you what's on our hearts, what's on our mind, and be able to ask of you, dear Lord God, for whatever it may take, dear Lord God, to do your eternal bound will. Now, Father, as we go into this uh, session today, we ask that the Holy Ghost would be in the midst of this. Lord, be able to teach us, dear Lord God, the things that you will have us to know about the examination, dear Lord God. And so, Lord, have your way, dear Father, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray and say amen. When we think of that word exam, let's look at the purpose of, of what an exam or an examination is all about. When we think about it from the educational standpoint, when we were in grade school, the teacher would periodically give the class a test for the purpose of showing her who retained the lesson that they were taught. The outcome of those examinations would be a grading system of either A, A minus B, B minus C, you know the rest of those, those grading systems. Uh, these grades from your overall examination will reveal to your parents where you stand within the school system. If your parents were real about your education, then they would know how to interact with you according to that grade. Please don't bring home an elf. Amen. When it speaks about the medical side of an examination, when we are sick or to get our routine checkup, the doctor will perform a test or a series of tests to determine if anything is wrong with us or not. Depending on the type of illness or the routine of the exam, the doctor will use different instruments to aid him in, amen, the examination. When we speak about the spiritual exam, the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God, will now be able to utilize the instrument of the word of God to examine us to see if we are actually in the faith or not. If we actually believe what we say we believe, if we are actually living the way we should be living, it takes the word of God, the instrument of the word of God to examine each and every one of us, saints or sinners, to be able to show us where we are before God. Amen. So when we look at it that way, let's examine, first of all, the heart. The heart. The heart, when we say it in the spiritual realm, the heart is the inner man or the soul. It, it contains the mind where knowledge, thinking, and reflection and memory is. It has the will, which has the power to have resolution and determination of that will. When we talk about the heart itself, it was talking about moral character, the seat of emotion, passion, and courage. The Bible teaches us, here you go, the instrument is sharing with us, have you kept the your heart with all diligence? Have you protected your own heart? According to Proverbs 4.23, it said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It is our responsibility, saints, to guard our heart, to guard our soul, to guard our mind, to guard our character, our emotions, our passion. It is our responsibility and not the Holy Ghost. You have to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. 
We find in the New Testament when Jesus came alone and he dealt with the Pharisees, amen, about what they were saying. And here is the end result of what he was sharing with his disciples when they said, did you know not that you offended the Pharisees? And he said this, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. You say, if you really read this directly for what it's saying, I may not be able to read your heart, but your actions would tell me what's in your heart. Let me say that again. I don't have the ability to read your heart like the Lord does. But what he's showing us is I can see what's in your heart by the actions that you produce outwardly that mankind can see. And amen, I, I'm not going to harbor a whole lot on here because I got a few more I had to go through. When it talks about the heart, the seat of emotions, passion, your courage, your character. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. As we go on, we're going to look at the next part that we want to examine is the mind. Amen, the mind. Uh, I got about three different definitions for the mind. So I'm going to connect them with the scriptures as I go on. The first one says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A lot of I hear people say, you know, we got the mind of Christ, we got the mind of Christ. But how do we have that? What does that really mean? It's not that Christ's mind was taken out of his body and put in your mind. No, that's not what he's talking about. What does that mean? The word mind here means to agree together, to cherish the same views, to be harmonious, to seek one's interest or advantage. Let this mind be in you. What do you mean? You need to agree with Christ's way of thinking. You need to agree with that. You need to have that same viewpoint as Christ did from the scripture standpoint. You need to have the same interest and the advantage that Christ had. Amen. That needs to be in you and in me. Amen. We're going to the second point about, uh, amen, the word mind. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, cannot please God. Now it's the same word, the word mind, but it takes on now a different definition. Amen. So I was able to use this for this examination, but I was able one, to be able to bring out what it means at each and every different scriptural verse. 
though it's the same word, though it's spelled the same way. And yes, if we just use our own mind and thinking, we would just carry on with the same understanding of it. But to be fair to scripture, you need to dive in and find out what words mean. The word mind means here the thoughts and purposes of the carnal mind. The thoughts and purposes of the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh, what do you mean in the flesh? Minding and doing the thoughts and purposes of being carnal cannot please God. That's what that means. That's what that means. Amen. Let's go to our third thought about mind. Romans chapter 12. Amen. Verse one and two says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here again, the word mind takes on a different meaning. Mind means here to a particular mode of thinking and judging. Uh, for example, your thinking, your feelings and purposes and desire. It means that we need to have our mind renewed. We need to have our thinking renewed. We need to have our feelings renewed. We need to have our purposes and desires. It needs to be renewed so that it will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen and amen. Let's go to the next thing that God wants us to examine. Now we're going to examine, Lord God, where our ears are, the listening skills. Amen. The word listening, let me read the very first scripture we want. It says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. I know a lot of people like to say that, you know, when you read the Bible, uh, you can get all sorts of different a different meanings out of one particular verse. And I heard that for many, 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 many years. But the reality of it is God didn't want us to get different meanings out of the verse. He wanted us to get the central truth of that verse. There's only one truth contained in the verses that God wants us to learn. There's only one truth. You can go off with different ways to be able to put a spin on it, if you will. But if you don't bring out that truth, and people cannot attain the understanding of that truth, then all you're getting out of there will be false. I will say again, with all that you bring out of there and you don't bring out that truth, you have brought out a false word. Because people have to hear. To hear means to attend to, to consider what is or has been said, to give here to a teaching or a teacher to comprehend or understand. They can't understand if they come and they really don't really know what the scripture said. But if you don't expound on it to bring out that truth, they're going to come in more confused leaving than it was when it came in. Because God only has one truth that's contained about each parable, about each story, about understanding of what the church should do and what they shouldn't be doing, but they need to come by way of hearing. Hearing. James chapter one, verse 19 said, but wherefore my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
let, well, here's where we get a, get, get messed up. Because somebody say something, we so quick to want to respond. We want to tell them, give my peace of mind, but we don't listen. If we listen, we may hear that they're really crying out for help. They just don't know how to express it. If we listen, we'll find out that they really don't understand what the word of God is actually saying. So maybe I need to, you know, ask the Holy Spirit why they're speaking. What should I respond to? That's, amen. That's what we need to do. Listening skills. Learn to listen. The Bible says in Revelation chapter two and seven, which is goes all the way to over the chapter three. But they all end in the speaking to the church with this saying, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Amen. 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 Let's go on the next. Let's talk about your mouth or that tongue that's in your mouth. Let's talk about that a little bit. James chapter three, verse one says, my brother, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation for in many things we offend all. And if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which though they be so great are driven of fierce wind, yet they are turned about with a very small hymn, whatsoever the governor listen. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindle. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For of every kind of beast and of birds and of uh, serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear the olive berry, either a vine or fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I know that was a lot to be read, but it had to be read. First of all, <clears throat> we need to know that that little member that's in your mouth called a tongue can create a lot of destruction. And I'm not going to get too deep on it because I'm going to deal with a message that deal directly about that tongue. But it can cause a lot of destruction along the way. And one way it can cause destruction, as James was saying, out of our mouth proceeded blessings and cursing. Well, that's how one way that we destroy a lot of things when we come forth and feel we have to curse out other people. I'm sad to say, sad to say that some saints believe that every now and then they have to cuss out somebody or say cuss words to get their point across. But let me remind you what the word of God says here. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. You need to highlight this. My brother, and these things ought not so to be. You say, well, nobody's perfect. He's not saying that anybody's perfect. 
He's just telling you it should not be that way. The saints should not be cursing anyone. The, kings, the saints should not be using curse words. The saints should be blessing folks with their tongue. The blessings should come forth and say, even though someone cussing them out, well, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that way. May, may the Lord bless you and move about your business. We don't have to respond back in circumstances by cursing other folks out. It says, my brother, these things aren't no so to be not so among the saints. So he gives us an illustration. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? No, it's going to either be sweet water or bitter water. It won't be both. See, because we have the ability with our tongue to say anything we wanted to say, and then come right behind and oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, guess what? God himself and Jesus himself know that that last term you said that you love him is not correct because of what you're doing with your tongue. And I'm going to share with that as we go further down. Amen. But I don't want to say no more, too much more about this because I got a particular message to aim at about the tongue. The next thing we need to examine is, are we following the Lord's example? Are we following the Lord's example? First Peter chapter two, verse 21 says, for even here unto where you call, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his step. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bared our sin on uh, 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 sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live into righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Now let's go here. Peter said Christ left us an example that we should follow his steps. Whatever we see Christ do in scripture, it is commanded, commanded that we follow his example. And he gave us some of these steps that are example for us to follow. The first one is found in verse 22, who did no sin. I realize we're living in a time and age when churches are saying we can't help but to sin. But think about what he's saying here. So the question I would ask is, did Christ sin? They will agree wholeheartedly all together and say in harmony, no, he didn't. So then if he did no sin and we are followers of him, then we cannot do no sin. It all comes about how we are being taught the word of God. Are we being taught the word of God when it comes to this issue of sin in truth? Or is it being taught in error? But let's consider what we're saying here. He is our example. Even our pastors can be our example. But without even if you push them aside just for the moment, Christ is our ultimate example. We have to live our life in the light of what Christ demonstrated through the scripture. Amen. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, when he got slapped, when he got hit, when he got spit upon, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten nobody. You know what? I'm coming back with my angel. 
y'all 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 just done hit the wrong person no 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 no. he didn't come back with that attitude he did not come back with that attitude the bible said when he suffered he threatened not but he committed himself that judges righteously which is god the father he committed himself to him Everything that happened to Christ was the will of the Father. So he submitted himself to the Father. You and I got to follow this same example. Now, we may not have to go to a cross. No, we may not feel that people spit upon us. But when people cross us, when they say something that we don't like, when they say something could be an error on their part, but yet we take it that they're speaking about us and we want to respond to that. No, 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 no. We shouldn't be doing that. We should suffer it and not issue one threat, not issue one threat. And the final step I wanna to go to is today is the love in the Lord. If I would ask the people, do you love the Lord? Oh man, they get all emotional about it. Oh yeah, I love the Lord. Ooh, holy, 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 ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love the Lord. They get all emotional about it. But let's go to the scripture. And I know I'm saying this to criticize anybody, but I want to make sure that the truth of the scripture is being shared and not the emotions by which people demonstrate this. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, then obey me. He didn't say, if you love me, shout hallelujah. He didn't say, if you love me, just raise your hand and wave it in the air like you just don't care. Oh, I love the Lord. He didn't say that. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Loving God is about obedience and not about emotions. It's about obedience and not about emotions. Jump down to verse 22. And let's finish reading the rest of that. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Judah said unto the Lord, not his scared, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, here you go. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our boat with him. Verse 24, he that loveth me not Keep is not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. And as we close, I want to be able to say this. As the Holy Ghost has given me understanding about an examination, we personally need to examine ourselves by way of the scripture. If you're going to use this word as the instrument, to examine yourself with it, then you got to be honest with it. Even the definition of the words, you have to be honest with it. You can't say, this is what I learned when I was in school and in college. I know what that word means. You may know a meaning to that word, but you need to know what it means in the content in which is used in scripture. And this is how a lot of things get mixed up. Because people want to use their understanding of what it means rather than trying to find out what it means in the content, in the flow of scripture, and it is being used. 
Amen. Fathers, in the name of Jesus, as we close this podcast, Lord, we realize we only have maybe six uh, different ways, dear Lord God, that the scripture will have us to examine ourselves by. Some of us may have passed all six. Some may not have passed anything. But whatever the outcome, dear Lord God, I pray that the listeners would be honest with themselves and that before you. We need to put a check on our emotions, dear Lord Father, and allow the word of God to teach us in an intellectual way with intelligence about what we're doing or what we're not doing, dear God Father, before thee. I don't say anything, dear Lord God, to try to strike out at any one particular individual. Lord, we just want to be honest, dear God Father, with your eternal bound word. So have your way, dear Lord God Father, with each and every listener of this broadcast, for we ask you to bless them in what they hear, dear Lord Father, what the Spirit is saying to them. We ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name we say, amen.